You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, and we are proud to be partnered with Interstate Batteries. If you haven't visited your local Interstate Battery retail store to talk with a specialist about all your battery needs, you need to stop in. They have everything from batteries for your trail cameras, batteries for your rangefinders, batteries for your trucks, and everything in between. Uh, they have a battery for it. You can also go to find out more about the company and more about the batteries that they offer to interstatebatteries.com. This is a great company, a trustworthy company that has been around for several, 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 several years. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Parker McDonald, and this is episode number 70. Today we're talking with Zach Lucas of West Virginia from the Kingdom Connection YouTube series. We're going to talk about weather conditions and how they affect turkey hunting. And hopefully we're going to tell you how you can kill turkeys better in any given weather condition. This is the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. This is episode number 70, and I'm really excited today because we're talking with a West Virginia fella named Zach Lucas. If you don't know Zach, you should look him up um, on his YouTube channel. That's called Kingdom Connection. Now, uh, on Kingdom Connection, you're going to see a lot of turkey hunting, a lot of hunting in general, just outdoor lifestyle stuff, but they do specialize in turkeys, and uh, I thought Zach would be an excellent guest for the show. He is a great turkey hunter, and uh, if you follow that page and follow Zach on Facebook, you will notice that he does not have a shortage of successful turkey hunts. That's for dang sure. Um, so I thought he'd be a good guest. And today, what we're <clears throat> sorry, what we're really talking about is weather conditions and how they affect turkey hunting. And so last week we talked with Drew Abel from Foot on the Head, and I gave him just several different scenarios and asked him to answer those questions. Today, what we talk about is uh, the same type of podcast. It's a more of a tactical podcast for turkey hunting, but I'm going to ask Zach um, what he would do in certain weather con weather conditions, and that's rain, um, that's fog, that's hot weather, cold weather, and all of the above. We're going to talk about a lot of that. If you're anything like me, when I'm in the turkey woods and it's raining, I'm constantly thinking, what should I do in this rain? And Zach gives us a really good breakdown of his process, what he does when it's raining, when it's foggy, when it's cold, hot, high pressure, low pressure, just all that kind of stuff. And uh, I think you're going to learn a lot. I know I sure did talking to Zach, um, things that I'm definitely going to remember uh, every time that I step into it, into the turkey woods, given a, uh, a crazy weather scenario. So um, yeah, it's going to be good. Hopefully you guys are staying safe during this uh, whole virus outbreak stuff. I've actually been sick the last few days, um, not with the coronavirus, thank God, um, but I have been uh, not feeling too great, and so you're going to hear that in my voice for sure uh, on this intro, but, uh, but yeah, turkey season opens up tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Friday when it comes out, Alabama turkey season officially kicks off tomorrow and i will definitely be in the woods rain or shine i'm gonna be somewhere trying to kill a turkey i know a lot of you guys are gonna do that as well so good luck i'm gonna go ahead and uh stop talking and uh, we'll get to this episode with zach lucas 
All right, everybody, on the line with me right now, I have Mr. Zach Lucas from Kingdom Connection. Zach, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much, buddy. How are you? I am doing well. Today is officially a week until turkey season starts here in Alabama, and uh, and I'm fired up. I'm, I'm pretty jacked up, man. Are you? Are you ready for this? Oh, yeah. I, I've been ready since the end of last spring. Uh <laughs> We're we're not as quite we're not quite as close uh, to season starting here in West Virginia as you, but we're about a month and well about 38 days or so away. And uh, scouted this morning a little bit, heard six different turkeys gobbling. Uh, one was about 80 yards from me, gobbled about 30 times, um, and that was at 9:15 in the morning. So he was on the ground and doing his thing on his own. So. Uh, mm. felt good to be out in the woods today and hear some turkeys gobbling and get the blood flowing a little bit. And, um, yeah, I'm ready to get going for sure. Heck yeah, dude. I am, I'm fired up. So when we first got on the phone a few minutes ago, you had said that you were going through some old footage and, uh, I was doing the same thing about, I don't know, 20 minutes ago. And I came upon some footage from last year. At the very, very, the very last day of the season, I had about 45 minutes to hunt, and uh, I had secured some permission from a guy on a piece of private land that wasn't too far from the house, and I had meetings starting at 8 o'clock that morning, and I was like, well, it's the last day of the season, and man, I was about, uh, I don't know, 20 yards from killing a bird on the last day of the season last year, so the last time I was in the turkey woods... I almost killed a bird, and so that kind of left me in the, in a place where uh, I've been kind of thinking about it a lot lately. I'm pretty fired up. I'm pretty <laughs> fired up. Yeah, you you got a bone to pick with that guy. So. Oh yeah, and he was one of that those. Sounds familiar. That, that sounds familiar. I hunt a lot before work, but actually I hunt every day before work, and I've I've had to leave birds gobbling. Uh, quite a few times it's it leaves a bad taste in your mouth it does man it does especially when it's the last day of the season like when you've been working so hard and then yep. the last day of the season you have this bird in range or like in view and so close to in range the reason i actually didn't kill this bird is because uh the farmer the guy who owns the property um who gave me permission to hunt there he was pretty hands-off he didn't care where i went on the piece of property didn't care about any of that kind of stuff but he uh he comes up on a tractor not knowing that i was hunting that field mm. he comes up on a tractor right at daylight right as the bird's starting to come into range and uh kind of spooked that bird off but i couldn't be too mad man he gave me permission to hunt out there so um, right i got permission again this year so i will be right back in the same spot probably opening day uh that would well. be a, that'd be a cool redemption story anyway it would be, yeah. It'd be a uh, nice way to start the season off too. Heck yeah, man. I'm 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 fired up though. I know everybody's tired of listening to me talk about uh myself being fired up. Um I wanna talk about I guess kinda just who you are, what you do. I know you I introduced you as part of Kingdom Connection. Um can you just kinda explain what that is and the role that you play with that? Absolutely. Um so I'm from West Virginia, and um, I'm married to my beautiful wife and been married to her for six years now. Um, we have two beautiful little girls, and um, my, my wife is a praise and worship leader, and 
I'm a hunter. I mean, pretty much. Uh, I love sports. I played sports my whole life. I grew up hunting since I was a, a little kid with my dad. Um, so I, I formed this group called Grunt Gobble and Gills Outdoors. And, uh, you know, we had the big dream of being the next Primos team and getting on TV and having sponsors and all this stuff and had my team assembled, my team of guys assembled, and we started filming hunts, you know, just, you know, with a with a small little handy cam video camera and um you know started from there kind of did that for several years and wasn't really going anywhere doing anything and um my wife kept asking me you know like what is your calling and what is your purpose in life and i said i, I honestly don't know i have no idea what i'm supposed to do <laughs> kill um, stuff you know I, I yeah i'm a hunter i just, I just go hunt, kill things you know, I kill stuff <laughs> hunter gather i'm you know that's during the bible too you know so but anyway uh anyway so i one day it kind of clicked with me that, that God wanted me to go a different direction with this filming thing. And, um, he wanted me to, to change it from, you know, wanting to get on TV and getting this fame and all this stuff and, and change it into a ministry and a way to reach people and a way to share stories, uh, you know, for his glory and things that he's done in our life and, and, and put turkeys in it as well and use that as a platform. And so, you know, I answered that calling to change it, uh, assembled my guys and told them and a lot of them left. And, and God, you know, I lost friendships and stuff over it, but God put peop, other people in place. Um, you know, my, my, two of my really good, my best friends, actually, Derek Smith and Craig Webb. Um, so we formed this. We, we kind of, we still have Grunt Goblin Guild, and that's still our main name. But our, you know, our, our name going forward is like Kingdom Connection, which it was really just going to be a film series that we were going to do. But we're just going to keep it rolling and. Um, you know, continue to follow God's will for our life. And as he opens doors, you know, walk through it. And kind of what it is, is we're going to take stories and share those stories, um, you know, and share turkey hunts as well. Use the turkey hunting as a platform to share the love of Jesus Christ through that. And so that's kind of what we've done. I mean, just for example, um, we, we started filming this film series that was going to be, you know, six videos or so that was going to be some stories. And in the middle of filming, Derek Smith's dad, passed away and you know they they had no clue it was coming he he hit the floor of a heart attack he got home from turkey hunting one morning and his dad he was just talking to his dad he walked in the bathroom he came out and his dad hit the floor with a heart attack and died right there in front of him and you know nobody saw that coming that was not in the plan to film or or you know even talk about that but it happened and Derek's dad loved turkey hunting and Derek's dad would have wanted us to share that story and would have wanted us to put that out there so Derek agreed to tell the story. We told the story of his dad and all that stuff. And then Derek, now I took Derek the next year and, and he killed a turkey and that was kind of the cap of it. So things like that is what we want to share, you know, real life things um, that happen in life. I mean, everybody can relate and put turkey hunting in there as well. Um, turkey, we deer hunt and stuff too, but turkeys are our passion. It's our niche. It's where we want to be. It's where, what we want to do. So turkeys have been our focus, and we're going to continue to just focus on turkeys and, you know, tell the love of God as, as we go and, you know, pray with people along the way, along the travels, or whatever God wants us to do along the way we're going to do. But that is the, the calling on my life and the calling for, for Kingdom Connection and as we move forward. So yeah, That's awesome. And now, so Kingdom Connection is on YouTube. Is there any other, any other place that, they can, that people can find that at? No, for now it's just on the YouTube channel. We have a Facebook page as well, um, and we had an Instagram, but 
I do all the editing. We had a web page too. I ha- I do all the editing and pretty much all the you know social media posting and all that stuff. Um, so it just got too much for me to do, especially with kids in the mix now. Yeah. Um, it got too much for me to, to keep a web page up and keep an Instagram going and all this stuff. So we're just right now we're just on Facebook. And we are, I have a personal Facebook, Zach Lucas, and then we have the Grunt Gobble and Gills Facebook page. And that's where we'll share things throughout the season. Um, and then we have our YouTube channel, which is GDG Outdoors slash Kingdom Connection. And that's where we post all of our videos too. So. Okay. Okay. And I've been, I've been watching your, your stuff for, man, I guess probably the first time I saw it was last season, probably sometime. And uh, I think we're part of the same same few uh, turkey hunting forums and things like that. And man, I was I was actually watching uh, some of the more recent ones today uh, that you've posted in the last couple days from last year. And man, it's really good stuff. And and, and I don't want to get people, um, you know, I'm I'm a worship pastor too, and you know, very involved in ministry and in my faith. Um, but I'm going to tell you, man, even even people who uh, that's maybe not their thing or, or whatever, they're going to go onto that YouTube channel and they're going to find some stuff that's really, really awesome. Like it is some just flat out good turkey hunting content. And uh, so if you're listening to this and and maybe maybe church isn't your thing and um, or whatever, just go check it out because it is just really good stuff. And uh, but man, I'm that's a that's such a cool story, a neat story about, you know, how you guys got started. But going even further back. Uh, where you started you mentioned that you were into sports and you started hunting at a young age where did it all start for you um my dad growing up was always a hunter um he he deer hunted and squirrel hunted um his dad even going farther back his dad his dad passed away when my dad was 14 years old so my dad didn't have a lot of time with his dad um but the time that he did have his dad was a really big squirrel hunter. They didn't have a lot of deer and they had hardly any turkeys at the time in West Virginia, but his dad was a big squirrel hunter. And so instilled that in my dad, which I'm thankful for, because then my dad instilled it in me. And, you know, he tried to instill it in my brother, but it just didn't take, but it took with me from, from day one. And, um, I, I would go with my dad when I was five years old and just follow his every footstep in the woods. And, um, I'm thankful that my dad took me at a young age that, that I got this in me young. And, uh, so I started squirrel hunting, obviously first small game squirrel and rabbits and then moved up to deer. And then my dad never turkey hunted. Um, like I said, when he was growing up and stuff, they didn't have a lot of turkeys here. So, um, my dad, one of our neighbors here took my dad when he was probably 30 some years old and my dad killed a turkey. It was his first turkey ever. And from then, um, I started kind of wanting to go and I, you know, I started watching some Primos videos and night and hell videos when I was a kid. And I really liked it, liked hearing the gobble and stuff. And I begged him and begged him to take me. And my mom would always say, no, you're too young. It's too dangerous. You're sounding like a turkey. People will shoot you this and that and the other. (laughs) Well, when I was not, when I was about eight, I started to be able to go with my dad and he took me and. I got to hear my first turkey gobble, and I was just hooked from then on. And uh, 
we hunted that year. And like I said, my dad was very uneducated about turkeys. He had never been, he, he'd been one time and killed a turkey and that was it. And, uh, you know, we kind of, we kind of learned together through a lot of mistakes. And, and, and I really am thankful now for all those mistakes because now I can, I can vividly remember every one of them now. And I remember, so I don't make those same mistakes now. Um, but if I wouldn't have had those mistakes, then I wouldn't have learned, you know, as I went. So, uh, fast forward a little bit when I was nine, um, he started letting me call a little bit for him and I started calling. He gave me a lynch box call and I'd carry it and he'd carry the gun and we would hunt and we would mess up all kinds of turkeys. But one day, finally, we, we struck a couple gobblers and looking back on it, we were pretty stupid to think we were going to kill them because they were clear across the holler up on the other ridge and they would have had to come down and cross a main road cross a field fly a <laughs> creek and come all the way up to us well they did all of those things and my dad ended up killing one of those there was four of them and they walked up single file long beards and he killed one of them and that's the last turkey that my dad has killed to this day it's the last one he's killed and that was when i was nine years old and i'm 31 now so wow um yeah i mean so but that that hunt uh specifically that hunt is what really hooked me with turkeys because from then on i've just been crazy about them and um just wanting to learn everything i can and i and i hunted with him a lot over the next several years uh and we messed up a whole lot of birds never killed another one with him and then when i was 16 i ended up killing my first one by myself um and i've actually got it mounted but uh yeah, I mean, from then on, it's just been go, 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 turkeys, turkeys, turkeys. So that's kind of how I got hooked on turkeys and hunting in general. I mean, I'm, I deer hunt too, but, um, you know, turkeys are my passion, my love for sure. Man, that's that's a, that's cool. I, I, can, I can totally relate to you, um, and I won't tell my, my whole story again, uh, just because people who are listening to this probably already heard it. But, man, like that's what you said about making mistakes and – and being old enough to remember those mistakes pretty vividly, um, being with your dad who didn't really know what he was doing out there too. That was, I mean, that's like almost identical for me and my dad. And I'm, I'm so grateful for, for those experiences that we got to have deer and turkeys, just kind of learning it together and, um, and being old enough to, to remember those mistakes. It really does put you kind of ahead of the curve, um, of other people, you know, when you, when right. you can, you can remember the things that you did wrong, man. It's just, it's just those, those lessons are just priceless, you know. Um, and that's right. that's really cool. So you you talked about um, playing playing sports in college. So sixteen, you fit, killed your first turkey. Uh, then pretty soon after that, you would have started college. Um, how did you right. how did you balance all that kind of? First off, what what did you play, uh, and and how did you balance turkey hunting with playing playing ball in school yeah well I played a lot of sports growing up and once I got to about middle school I, I quickly learned that basketball was my sport and that's what I wanted to really focus on so going into high school I played soccer just to stay in shape for basketball and then I played basketball in the fall and uh, I ended up going on a on a scholarship to West Virginia Tech and playing basketball and uh, so I mean, it's a fall sport, so it really didn't affect my turkey hunting that much because, I mean, we, we obviously in college, we had off-season workouts and stuff in the spring, and we would do that. But 
as far as my turkey hunting went, it really didn't affect me too much. And actually my best friend growing up, he, he went there with me on a scholarship. So all spring, me and him would turkey hunt. <laughs> and then, you know, we would play ball because we were on the same team. So it kind of worked out for us. Yeah, um, it did. I actually, he, he didn't kill a bird. He, he was with me when I killed my first one when I was 16. He was with me. And then he didn't kill his first one until probably our freshman year of college. And I called it in for him, and he killed his first one. So we were both with each other on our first birds. So that was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm assuming that uh, you didn't go any further than college playing basketball. Is that right? Yes, that's right. I did not. Now, was that a, was that a, a personal choice or just a, a white boy choice? Yeah, more of a white boy choice, I think, because I love, I mean, I, I, turkey, I breathe, I breathe turkey hunting now, but at the time I breathed basketball, and I mean, I still have a passion for sports and for basketball, especially, Um, but yeah, I mean, that was my dream all through high school was to play in college, and that was like, I knew that I wasn't going to go to the NBA because I'm too, I'm too short, Um, but I knew I could play in college and that's what I did. And that was, you know, like mission accomplished type of thing for me. And then at that point it was like, okay, what do I want to do going into the real world? And I still don't really know what I want to do going into the real world, but I'm an accountant. <laughs> and, uh, so I deal with numbers all day long and it's, and it's a good job and it pays my bills and it pays for me to turkey hunt. So I'm thankful for my job. So it wasn't a bad choice, I guess. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. All right, so let's talk about turkey hunting. How was uh how was the 2019 season for you? Um, I think like a lot of people that you probably talked to about last season, they'll probably say roughly the same thing that it was just for lack of a better word, it was a weird season. Um, and what I mean by that is um not so much tough really, but you had to really work for it. And and I'm fine with working for it. I I love a dumb two-year-old that'll run right down your gun barrel, but I, I like working for him too and playing that chess game with him. So I'm totally cool with that. But um, it started out with, for me, I started in Georgia, I hunted public land, just basically just picked a spot on the map and went. Um, found turkeys every day, had a couple chances at turkeys. I had one that was messed up by a, a couple that was out on a picnic. Uh, turkey gobbled pretty much right off the road and then they drove right by him and boogered him up and he flew across the holler on me and then um so anyway that was my georgia trip i did not punch a tag there come home took my daughter on youth day called in an awesome gobbler there and she clammed up on the gun and didn't shoot um so had a couple a couple mess ups there to start and then i missed the turkey on the third day so i had I had a lot of stuff go on early, but then the next day I killed one. So I got the ball rolling, and from there it was, like, easy pretty much. I mean, not easy. I mean, it's never easy. <laughs> say, but, wow, uh, huh? that's, that's interesting. The, 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 ball, the ball got rolling. We'll say that. The ball got rolling from there, and uh, I killed another one. I called in three other ones for people, and then I killed another one in Ohio. Um, killed one. Uh, for well, I had Andy Galliano up here from Alabama from Turkey Hunter Podcast. I had him up on the last day of season, and we had probably the best hunt of the whole spring. We had it right here in West Virginia on the last day of the season. Um, killed that one, and then, like I said, uh, I went to Ohio and killed one on the last day of their season. So I saw six birds, 
six birds die and a couple misses last wow. year. So not 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 bad. I mean, it was good. The year before, I think we saw or I saw uh, eleven get killed. So it was a little down from the year before, but um, still six is a great year. I mean, yeah. really, really good year. Yeah, it is. That's uh, um, that's pretty awesome. So, so you mentioned you know hunting a lot before work and and stuff like that. A lot of guys won't go do that. Um, I, I know a lot of turkey hunters that I'm friends with who are like, you're crazy for going out before work, before you got to be there at 8. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm kind of one of those guys that's like, if I have an opportunity, uh, it may not work, and I may have to leave, leave birds gobbling, but I'm going to try it. I mean, it ain't going to hurt nothing for me to be out there. Do you find that that's usually the days that are better for you, or – is there a lot more times where you're leaving them gobbling? Man, I, I'm i just one of those type of people where the weekends aren't enough for me. So I've got to make – I've just got to make it happen. And uh, I'm fortunate enough with my job that I don't have to be there until 8.30 or 9, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And um, they're pretty lenient with me, so that helps a lot. But I, I go every day, every single day before work, um, unless it's just downpour rain because I film. So I don't want to ruin my camera equipment. Um, but I go every day and, and it may not be, I may not go super aggressive. Um, I may go to a knob where I can hear a, a long ways and just pin birds, uh, because I know I don't have enough time to get to them, but I do have several farms that are on my way to work. So that allows me to hunt a little bit longer before I have to leave for work. Um, so I do, and I have spots on those farms that I know I can get to, well before daylight and I can listen and I can make moves on birds. And I've killed, uh, probably over the last four years of, of doing that really, I've killed a lot of turkeys that way. Um, so, I mean, not just me, but I've taken people and called in birds for, for people before work too. And I do it. I mean, like I said, I hunt every day before work, you know, every day that I can. So, um, I mean, a lot of birds, I kill a lot of birds that way, but I also take, you know, some, some days, just depending on the farm and depending on my time, I, I do take a, a, a less aggressive approach some days. Just listen or keep track of birds, or I may go and listen on a place one day across the holler and hear a bird gobbling across the holler, so then I know the next day I need to be across the holler to start, and I'll go in across the holler and I'll kill him. I've done that a couple times, too. So um, you might not kill a bird every day, but... I've heard Dave Owen say it a lot. You earn every one of them. Yeah. I mean, you're going to every single day. I mean, you're, you're earning when you do pull the trigger, you're earning it. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I think one of the greater tactics for turkeys and I've talked about it so far on every Turkey podcast that we've done this year and probably a few last year, um, you know, turkeys, turkeys do what turkeys want to do. That's pretty much, that's pretty much the, the ultimate, you know, the only consistent thing in turkey hunting really is that they're going to do whatever right. they want to do. Uh, but the people who go out and, you know, have seasons where they're watching six to 10 to 15 turkeys die, it's because they're spending a lot of time in the woods. And so, you know, I always, I, I'm kind of that way where I'm going to go every opportunity that I get. It may not be every day of the season, but if I have an opportunity and the wife gives me the go ahead, Man, I'm going to be there because the only way that I'm going to kill them is by being there. And and really, right. like, I'm going to do it if it's raining, if it's, 
sunny. I'm going to probably be out there just about any time that I can be. And so, um, you know, just to kind of kick off the tactics um, that you're using, it kind of sounds like one of the more important ones is being out there every opportunity that you get. Is that right? Right. I mean, it's just like catching fish. I mean, you the more time you're on the water, the more fish you're going to catch. So, I mean, obviously, the more time uh, anything you do, practice basketball, the better you're going to get. I mean, it's just like practice. I mean, you got to just – you got to go and you got to be out there and it's repetition. And the more the more reps you have, the better you're going to get and the more keen your senses are going to get to hear a turkey drumming or whatever it may be. Um, I mean, I think that definitely putting time in is, is critical. I mean, even now, I'm a month away from season, and I was out this morning putting boots on the ground, walking in areas that I know turkeys strut in and scratch in, and sure enough, they there was scratching in those areas, and I heard turkeys gobbling close to those areas today. So that just reassured me, okay, uh, past experience showed me that turkeys like these areas. They still like these areas, you know, and, sure. and that's what I'm kind of doing right now uh, to prep, I'm putting boots on the ground. I'm walking into areas that I've been in before or new areas. I'm looking for sign. I'm listening as I go. I'm listening for turkeys. Um, I'm just pin. I'm pinning as many turkeys as I can right now to be ready. Then when season comes in, I'm obviously checking on those birds. And um, you know, I've heard Dave say this a lot too that he might go in and that bird might not be ready yet. You might give him a couple of days or a week. Um, that's kind of my approach as well. When I say I take a, a less aggressive approach to certain turkeys or to certain farms, that's kind of how I do, but I do it more on a, on a weather based. And I've found here that a lot of times if the barometric pressure is above 30, that they're going to gobble. That's, that's pretty, I mean, that's in my experience anyway, that's the way it is. Yeah. So if I'll get a day, you know, a cold front pushes through and it pushes it down below 30, even if it's 29.9, um, I know that those turkeys probably, I mean, there might be one that still gets really hot that day. So I'm still going to go. I'm still going to go and I'm still going to listen. But that might be a day that I take a less aggressive approach. I may go to a knob and I may just sit there and listen. Yeah. Um, because if a turkey's, if I know there's six gobblers on this farm and only one of them's gobbling that morning, I don't want to go booger the other five up because they're not gobbling. Yeah. So I may go to a high knob where I can hear everybody and listen and just keep tabs on them. And if one gets hot, I'm going to go kill him or try to. But um, I'm going to take a less aggressive approach that day because maybe tomorrow or the next day I'm, a, I'm looking at pressure above 30. So then I know I need to be in there ready to kill that day. Yeah. So I may go, I may go deeper in and I may get in the hub of everything on a day that the pressure's right. And the, I try to pick my days, my better days to go to my better spots is kind of what I'm saying. Like I don't, like I may still go to my better farm, but I may stay way off the good spots yeah. and just listen. So, you know? so when you're talking about the barometric pressure, have you found that to be true <clears throat> regardless of region? Um, I've only ever hunted Easterns, so I can only speak for Easterns. Um, I've never been out west yet. I want to bad. Um, and I've never, I haven't hunted Osceola's or anything like that. But Easterns, I mean, I've hunted them in Ohio, Tennessee, South Carolina, Georgia, a um, couple other states, Virginia. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much been what I've seen. Um, and, and I know it's, I mean, 100% fact here 
on days that it's above 30, that's when they're going to be cranking. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously other, there's obviously other factors in there, rain or fog or whatever, which you're, you're not really typically going to have a 30 above 30 day with fog or anything like that. Those above 30 days are those pretty crystal clear mornings that are going to be bluebird sky type of days. Yeah. You might get a cloudy, a cloudy one here or there, but that pressure is key as far as gobbling activity and, uh, as far as number of birds being uh, feeling it that day, and you yeah. might you might still go to a farm like I said on a 29 pressure day and hear one that gobbles really good, but you might go to that same farm the next day when the pressure's above 30 and hear eight. Yeah, I mean, so you just don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that makes total sense, and that's good information. You know, especially for guys who are listening to this and haven't been tur- hunting turkeys for a while. That's always been something that I've heard. You know, but I'm uh, I'm pretty immersed in the into the hunting culture, and I mean I'm I'm on a bunch of forums, and I hear you you hear those type of things. But man, for somebody who's just now starting out, that's some good information. Watch that barometric barometric pressure, and uh, there's there's a lot of apps on your phone that you can get on, and uh, and figure that out. What are you, are you using an app on your phone to do that? I just usually get on like Weather Underground. And yep. I'll look and that's, I mean, I obviously look at temperature and wind speed and wind direction. And, you know, if I need to be on the south side of the mountain to be out of the wind or whatever, I look at those variables as well. But that pressure is the number one main thing that I look at on a daily basis from hour to hour. I mean, I'm looking at the, the weather hour to hour in the spring, watching stuff change and looking at that barometric pressure for the next day and even days out, you know, thinking, okay, well, I can hunt Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but Wednesday's a low pressure day, so I'm going to go take a low a low pressure approach, and I'm going to you know pin, try to hear a bird for Thursday and Friday to go kill. So, mm-hmm. would you say that that is your number one thing that you're paying attention to, as far as you know, like deer hunters? What we do is we look at the wind and we look at the weather, look at the temperature. There's look at the barometric pressure and things like that. Um, would you say that the barometric pressure is the main thing that you're looking for? I would say, yeah. Um, because I might go, you know, if I have, like I said, if I have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to hunt, um, I might not even touch my good farm until that pressure gets to 30. I might go and hunt or just listen on lesser farms, knowing that there's a lot of birds on the other good farm yeah uh and i might i might just not even go to it until you know friday if friday's the day it's going to hit 30 i might hunt other spots wednesday and thursday and then go to it on friday knowing that there's birds there the pressure is going to be right it's going to be the best day and that's uh, typically i mean that's it's worked for me i've gone in and capitalized on that day but that's kind of the way that i um, prioritize my hunting days especially on days you know before work that's kind of the way i prioritize it i don't go and hunt my really good stuff until i i feel pretty confident that i can go in and kill on it man that's that's good stuff so um uh, let's talk about a, a couple of the things that you that you kind of briefly mentioned there talking about wind and fog and um and just weather conditions um and that may be that may be kind of a focus uh you know, for this episode possibly. Um, but what we did last week with, uh, I had I had a guest, his name is Drew Abel from Foot on the Head, 
And uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't heard that episode, you can go and check that out. It's episode number 69 um, with Drew Abel. And, and we talk about a bunch of different scenarios. And like I mentioned before, hunting turkeys and, and specifically giving out tactics for turkey hunting is a very difficult thing to do because, like we said, at the end of the day, turkey's going to do what a turkey wants to do. Um, but there are some things that you can learn from different scenarios, from guys like Zach, who um, has a good a, a good reputation as being a good turkey hunter, and there are some things that that you can learn from how he would handle certain situations. And so uh, we're going to do that. We're going to kind of go into a period of time right here where I just ask Zach questions based on um, maybe some of the things that he's already told me and different scenarios that maybe I've found myself in. Um, especially when I was a new turkey hunter and even now as a little bit more seasoned turkey hunter, things that maybe I don't know the right move to make or the right place to be on certain scenarios. So Zach, are you ready for this, man? I'm ready. All right. So since it's fresh on my mind, you talked about it just a second ago. Um, I want to talk about wind. Okay. Um, now, now you're in West Virginia, so I'm going to assume that you were hunting in kind of a hill country, more mountains. Is that right? Correct. Okay, so that's going to be really similar to what I'm at here in Alabama. A lot of guys in the south are dealing with the same type of stuff. So we'll talk about just kind of mountain-type bird, mountain bird scenarios and how you would handle certain situations. So talking about wind, okay, you wake up in the morning, you see it's going to be super high winds, um, but you're going to go anyways. You get out of the truck. You're not, it, the wind's already howling. It's, it's high winds. You wouldn't be able to hear a gobble even if they were gobbling. What are you going to do at that, at that moment? Um, typically what I'm going to do and, and what I always typically try to do is go as high as I can, try to get on the highest knob or the highest ridge at daylight to listen to as many turkeys as I, you know, put my ears on as many as I can. Um, on a day like that though, I know that turkeys here, um, generally what they do is they'll roost lower. They won't roost right up high on the ridge. They'll roost a little bit lower down on the hillside or down in the holler or the bottom or whatever to keep out of that wind because they don't like it just as much as we don't like it. And then typically what they'll do is they'll fly down and they'll, stay low for the majority of the day while that wind is high they'll stay low in the bottoms or on the hillside or a little bench or something so what i'll try to do is i'll try to you know look at the wind direction if it's a south wind or whatever it may be and i'll try to find a you know a hillside or a bowl or a holler or something that is out of that wind so i'll try to use a hill to protect me from the wind and i'll try to drop on that side of the hill um, to get out of that wind, it'll blow over top of us, blow over top of me, or blow over top of turkeys. And so what I've typically found is is turkeys will do the same thing. They'll try to get around there because turkeys want to be able to hear too. I mean, they obviously their main source is their eyes. It's protection. But they don't, they don't like it when it's real windy and they get nervous. Um, so they want, I mean, they want to be able to hear. Um, so, I mean, sometimes you might see them go to fields or whatever just so that they can see for a long ways. Uh, I don't have the luxury of hunting a lot of fields here. Most of my stuff is hardwoods, 
big ridges, big timber, um, things like that. I do have some fields here and there, but for the most part, those turkeys are going to go to a bottom, to the bottom of a holler, or to a you know a hillside that's protected from the wind, and uh, that's where they're going to hang out and strut and do their thing for the day. So that's typically where I try to uh, focus on um, when I'm trying to find a bird. And I'll you know like most people, I'll use louder calls if I'm trying to strike birds. I'll use an aluminum on a windy day, or I'll use a, a long box or a tube call. Um, something that I know is going to reach out and penetrate wind and penetrate and make, you know, get to their ears where they can hear it clear, um, to try to strike a gobble and I'll, I'll kind of go about it that way. So, so when you're doing that, when you're finding those, those hillsides, obviously you are, um, it's windy. So that's, that's the, the most important part of the scenario is that it's windy. You can't really hear a lot maybe maybe you haven't heard anything are you gonna are you the kind of guy more of a running gun running gun type guy where you're gonna keep walking those same type areas are you gonna sit on fresh sign and kind of blind call um i mean it just depends like and i think that what that's what makes turkey hunting so hard to talk about but also at the same time so exciting and so awesome is that you just turkeys are so day-to-day and so situational um every situation is different um every day is different every bird is different you're not going to do the same thing on bird a as you would on bird b and so on and so forth um that being said i i like to run a gun more than anything that's what i like to do i have a hard time sitting and calling i will blind call on spots um if i go and i check a couple hollers that i feel that a turkey should be in I would probably check at least two or three before I would sit down. So I would go and check a couple that I feel are sheltered from the wind that I could probably find a turkey in. I would probably go try to check a couple. And then if that didn't work, then I would go and sit on the freshest scratching or the the best looking spot, you know, road on a ridge. Or I would probably, if it was windy, I would drop off the ridge and try to get on a bench with some scratching or, you know, on a field edge or something like that and do blind calling um for a while and just see how that played out and then i would probably go back and check those those hollers again that are sheltered from the wind to see if they had moved in there are you are you being uh, this is something that i've that i've struggled with and maybe a question that that maybe a lot of guys have struggled with too so i i will not go back to areas um that i've already been to that day kind of it's kind of hard to get rid of the deer mentality with turkeys will you go obviously you do you said you would um that always seems like a really difficult thing to do to go back to an area that you've already been to that day and didn't hear anything does that happen a lot where you'll go back and there's turkeys there yes yes a lot i um i i I can remember off the top of my head, probably three to five times that that's happened to me where I've, um, in particular, one of my main farms that I hunt, um, it has fields in the bottom and I can walk, uh, I walk through the fields and then I walk up the hill to the ridge and I usually get on the ridge and it's like a big, huge horseshoe and I can walk it from point to point on that horseshoe. Um, and I can hear over the back of that ridge too, which which juts down into some little hollers and some little fingers and stuff. Um, I can remember multiple days that I've walked that horseshoe 
back and forth twice at least and not heard anything. At one time in particular, I walked that horseshoe twice and I walked the second time I came to the, the farthest point on the horseshoe. I thought, well, it was probably 1030 or so. I thought, well, I'm going to drop off this point and walk back down to the truck and, you know, probably go check some public on the way back home, you know, to see if I can strike one or something. Well, I got clear down to the truck and a turkey gobbled up on the point of that horseshoe where I just walked off, where I just came from. <laughs> so I had to climb back up and I ended up killing that turkey. I had to climb back up that steep point and, and get up there to kill him, but I ended up killing him. But I can remember multiple times that that's happened. I actually had a hunt last year where I had been set up in a spot. It's actually, the video is actually on our, on our channel. I had been set up that morning and I'd heard birds gobbling on and off and they shut up. And I, I even, in the video, I even talk about it. I was going to walk out a point and call, and then I was going to come back to that spot that I had been sitting at and check a bird that was in the back of his holler to see if he was ready by then um, because he had flown down and shut up. Well, when I got out to the end of the point, I, cu I cut on a pot call, and he gobbled pretty much right where I had been sitting all morning. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, it happens a lot. I mean, I, I'll, I'll go in areas that and then not hear – birds in a holler or something and i'll come back and check it later on and a bird will be there so i mean yeah i don't i don't write off anything just because i didn't hear something earlier in the day because a lot of these farms that i'm talking about in, in particular i mean i would probably do the same thing on public land especially land that i didn't know i mean i would cover as much ground as possible but you you tend to find these areas that just look like a tur turkey would be there or you go and I've heard other people talk about this. You'll go and scout a new piece and you'll find this saddle or, the, or whatever on this ridge. And you'll be like, this is a turkey killing spot. Like it, you just kind of get that feeling after you've done it for so long. Yeah. And you, and you, you know, you get into these areas and you look down in this big holler and it's wide open timber and you think, man, there, this is a turkey spot. So those kind of spots kind of stick out to me. And I, so I'll tend to go back to those spots just because they look so good. Yeah. Um, even if I haven't heard a turkey there before, you know, I'll go back and check them again because it just looks good. I mean, it looks like there should be a turkey in there. Yeah. So, man, I, I, I actually, as you're sitting here talking, um, you know, for me, like I said, it's hard for me to do it just because I'm, I'm a deer hunter, like a diehard deer hunter. I'm a diehard turkey hunter, but I really get into the deer tactics and things like that. And so it's really hard for a deer hunter because, you know, with deer, their sense of smell is so stinking right. good. And you don't want to go into an area. If you're walking all over an area, chances are deer's not going to come into that area. And if it does, he's going to he's going to smell you and he's going to be gone. Um, turkeys are a little bit different. I can think of uh, a turkey that I killed on opening day two years ago on public. And I had been hunting the same spot. The same probably 100 acres, uh, maybe a little bit less than that, and walked all over it and ended up, I left my phone on the top of a ridge, and so I had to climb back up there, and uh, so I was like, oh, I'll just sit here for a minute, and I sat there for about, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, and just blind called, just real soft blind call, and ended up killing a bird right there, uh, and I had, I had been... I had sat there like three different times that same morning. I killed him at 11 o'clock. 
He didn't make a he didn't gobble at all. He didn't say a word, but I killed him, and uh, that actually was uh, my first self filmed. Uh, really decent. I, I had self-filmed one with a GoPro a couple of years before that, but uh, with my actual camera equipment, my first self-filmed successful hunt and uh, and one that I'll probably never forget, but I had kind of forgotten about that that was really what happened in that scenario. And, uh, man, I just think it's, I think it's easy to forget that these are turkeys and, um, and they're not deer. They have some senses that are balling like they've got some senses that are really good like sight like hearing um but don't be afraid to go into an area and and just pound that area that morning if you know there's turkeys there that's even better even better reason to stay um and it's also better man i can think of so many times you know getting up and moving from a spot to have what you talked about happen to me where it's like all of a sudden you hear a gobble and it's right where you've been calling at. And you're like, yeah. what the heck? I shouldn't have got up. Um, I mean, sometimes that's just the best thing to do is just to sit down and be patient. Uh, especially yeah. on those mornings or those days when you have high winds. Man, that can be some of the best the best time to kill a turkey. It may not be nearly as fun as hearing one gobble and all that stuff, but man, it can be a good way to kill a bird. Um, all right, so... So we talked about wind. Uh, what what was it? What a guy like you is going to do in a high wind scenario in the mountains? Let's talk about rain. So I am, like I said, an opportunist, and I'm going to hunt in the rain as if I have to. You know, if I'm planning on turkey hunting that day, I'm probably still going to go even if it's raining. Um, a lot of times, though, I don't really necessarily know what to do in the rain. So let's say rain is in the forecast for opening day of the West Virginia turkey season. What is Zach Lucas going to do in that scenario? Um, well, first off, I, I, I film, so I'm probably not going to take my camera equipment, but I'm still going to go, and I'm still going to go, and like I said earlier, I'm probably going to take a lesser approach on a day like that. But I'm going to go, and I'm going to get on a high knob, and I'm going to listen at first light, and I'm going to try to hear, you know, put my ears on one and make a game plan to go and go and chase him a little bit. Um, but if that doesn't work out and I don't hear anything, I'm going to go to the best open area that I've got, um, and I'm going to blind call. Those are days that I typically go to field edges or I'll go to a clear cut or I'll go to a, a, a ridge road where I think turkeys are going to be because we all know on those rainy days, those turkeys like to go to those areas that field edges or whatever, one where they can see, but then they can pick bugs and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, a heavy turkey, they're not going to go to a place where they can't see on a rainy day because rain is obviously hindering their hearing. So they're not going to go to a place where they can't see really good because if a predator sneaks in on them, a heavy turkey can't hardly get off the ground. Yeah. So, they want to be in a place where their their sight is protecting them the best that it you know because that's their only protection that really that day because their hearing is obviously hindered. So they're going to go to an open area, more open area in the woods or a field or something like that. Uh, fields are typically the best, but like I said earlier, I don't have a lot of fields to hunt. So um, me personally, I'm gonna I'm gonna hunt open areas in the woods um, where where I've seen turkeys in the past scratching around or picking around or whatever i mean i've killed some turkeys in downpour rain that gobbled just like it was nothing 
Um, so, I mean, you're obviously, like you said, I mean, you're still going to go, you're still going to be an opportunist and you're still going to try to find that turkey that's gobbling his head off. But we all know that that doesn't happen every rainy day. So yeah. that's kind of the way I approach it. Yeah. So, so let's, let's say, um, let's say it's, I don't know, one o'clock in the afternoon. Um, it's raining and you are set up on your, on your field edge. Like you talked about, you know, uh, maybe in a blind or something like that. that that'd be a good situation to have, uh, to have a blind in, especially during the rain. Um, and you got a bird that starts to gobble. He's off in the woods about 300 yards and you can hear him. It's raining. You know, he's probably going to be at that field at some point. Are you going to wait in the field? Or are you going to go chase him? I'm going to wait. Um, I think we talked about this a little bit through messages and texting and stuff, but I think what makes a really good turkey hunter is just adaptability, being able to adapt to certain situations and make the best of those situations and still kill birds. And uh, hunting out of a blind is not something I really like to do. Um, It's not something that I do on the regular. Uh, The only time I really do it is hunting with a youth or – if it's very inclement weather, I will jump in a blind and hunt it. Um, that's only happened a couple times. But one of the times that it did happen was um, a couple years ago, we were in Tennessee, me and Derek Smith. And that morning we had killed, we actually tripled that morning. This is a video on our YouTube too. If, if anybody hasn't watched it, we killed four turkeys in one day. Um, <laughs> best best day of my life, turkey hunting by far. That's cool. Um we tripled that morning, and uh, Derek had a tag left because he filmed that morning hunt. And uh, it started to drizzle rain that day. That afternoon, we went and ate. After the morning hunt, we went and ate. Then it started to drizzle rain. So we were hunting with a couple of my friends down there. And uh, one of the guys' name is Pedro. He's a character. If you haven't watched the video, you need to watch it just for him because he's hilarious. <laughs> but anyways... He has this amazing property that his house sits on it, and he's overlooking these two huge fields. So he sees turkeys in these fields every single day. And he, he watches them go across, and they go in this back corner, and they roost almost every night. Well, it started raining that day, and we said, well, we're going to go over there mid-afternoon and set a blind up in that back corner and just set in that blind for the rest of the afternoon. You know, maybe we'll catch one coming across to go to roost that night. You know, that was an opportunistic moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it was raining, so it made sense. You know, we didn't want to get our camera equipment wet and all that. And, uh, we had these turkeys that were pretty much I mean, there on a daily basis. Well, we got in the blind and we sat there for probably an hour and a half, maybe two hours, um, just blind calling every 20 minutes or so. And we had some hens come in the field. They got in a huge hen fight, making a big ruckus and wing beats and purring and fighting purrs and everything. And it was awesome. Well, probably 20 minutes later, a gobbler gobbles behind us, probably 200 yards away. And he, and he starts gobbling pretty consistently. And uh, we, we heard a hen with him, but the hen was coming our direction to those hens in the field. So he kept gobbling, kept gobbling, and he was just getting closer, getting closer, getting closer. And we never even thought about getting out of that blind because we knew we were in the spot. 
I mean, we knew that this turkey was behind us coming our direction, but we also knew that turkeys roosted right behind us flying in this corner every night pretty much. So we ended up killing that turkey, and he was a dinosaur. I mean, he was 25 pounds and had inch-and-a-half spurs, and he was an awesome bird. He, he came right beside of our blind, came in behind us, walked right beside of our blind out in front of us to the decoy that we had, and Derek ended up killing him at like 15 steps, and it was an awesome hunt. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll definitely hunt out of blinds, I, and, I, and I have hunted out of blinds a couple times in the rain. And I'll, you know, like we talked about, always set those blinds on open areas um, where I know turkeys go to in inclement weather for that reason, that I'm going to hunt those blinds probably in inclement weather. Yeah. Or with my daughter. So, so you, you, that certain scenario um, has a lot of things in it. Uh, one of the most important ones is that you had some intel about the area, knowing that you were in the right spot, knowing that where the turkeys were roosting at, um, knowing, you know, somebody being able to see it, knows that the birds come through there pretty on a pretty regular pattern. Would you make that same call now moving forward without all of those variables? If you went into a spot, it's raining, you don't know if there's a lot of turkeys around, you strike up a gobble, you're on the field edge, would you stay put in that situation every single time? Or was that mostly because you knew? Um, I think that one was probably mostly because we knew. But at the same time, I think like looking at that, looking at that area on a map and seeing, you know, what we knew about the area or what, you know, okay, say we didn't know anything about the area and we were just there on that field and we looked at it on the map and you gobbled 200 yards away and it was drizzling rain would I go chase him through the woods? No, I would stay on the field edge and try to yeah. call him to that field edge. Because, And I may have, if I would have been out of that blind, if I wouldn't have been in that blind, I probably would have repositioned myself and I probably would have gone around that corner and faced back towards him mm-hmm. or at least faced out in the field so that he had to come in, you know, not directly behind me. Um, the blind obviously helped because we were inside of it and concealed and he walked right past us. But if I would have been outside of the blind, I would have repositioned myself to where he would have come in from my side and I would have shot him in the corner of that field. Um, but yeah, I would have definitely on a rainy day. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay put probably on a field or an opening for most of the time, unless a bird is just really hammering and I need to cover some ground to get to him. I'm not ever going to set up on a bird too far too far away yeah. i mean if i can get i, I want to get within if i can i want to get within 150 100 to 150 yards of him if the if the situation the, top, the topography and the, the foliage and everything allows me to i want to get that close because that if i set up on a bird that's 300 yards away you know you don't know what might hang him up yeah. on the way to you that's a lot of ground for a turkey to cover and a lot of things could happen I mean, a coyote could run between you and him. You don't know. I mean, yeah. it could still happen a hundred yards away. But you, my, if I, the closer I get, the higher my odds go. You know, if I Definitely. can get to this tree, I feel like my odds go up to, you know, sixty percent. If I can get to that next tree, my odds go up to seventy percent. If I can get even closer to that next big tree, my odds are eighty percent type yeah. of thing. Yeah. So I want to get as close as I can um, without. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes I'll push the issue a little bit, but um, I think you kind of got to. I mean, you're going to mess one up every now and then, 
And if you don't mess one up, then you're probably not hunting hunting aggressively enough, in my opinion. Yeah. But you know, I mean, that, that's part of turkey hunting. That's going to happen, and you're going to mess them up from time to time. But the you know, kind of the more, I mean, the more you mess up early on, the less you mess up later on because you learn kind of what you can do and what you can get away with it and that kind of thing. You learn yeah. from your mistakes. <clears throat> so let's talk just briefly on same scenario. You're in a blind, it's raining, you're on a field edge. Um, let's say, let's say that bird doesn't show up right there close by at 15 steps or whatever. Let's say bird shows up all the way across the field. It's still raining. Um, he's with hens and you're in the blind, what are you going to do, you know, assuming that he's way far out of range, but you've got eyes on him, are you going to, st- are you going to make a move or are you still going to sit tight? Oh, I'm definitely going to make a move. If I've called to him, if I've called to him for a little while and he hasn't moved and he's got hens, um, you know, more than likely, I mean, he might make his way your direction or those hens might drag him off and take him to, to roost on the opposite ridge. I mean, who knows? I mean, like I said earlier, every turkey's different and you just kind of got to feel them out and, uh, you know, see what their mood is on that day. Take their temperature for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I'm, if I'm in that blind and a turkey's 200 yards across the field or something with, with hens and he's pretty content staying there, I'm going to pop out the back of that blind and try to use topography or a ditch or a creek or just the edge of the woods and get around on him somewhere. I'm going to obviously try to cut him off, get in front of him, um, the direction he's facing. I'm going to try to get within gun range. I mean, belly crawl or whatever I've got to do. Um, I think that's where a lot of guys kind of get um, complacent for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, they just, they want to sit there and watch that turkey and call him in. Um, sometimes you're calling and sometimes you're crawling. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's con- to consistently kill turkeys. That's part of adaptability. And you've got to be like a chameleon and be able to adapt to whatever. Um, and, and sometimes you're not going to kill them calling to them. I mean, that's the pretty way to kill them. And that's what all of us want to do. We want to call that turkey in and him come breathing fire down our barrel, you know, all the way to us full strut and, you know, have that real pretty hunt go on. But sometimes it doesn't happen like that and you've got to make it happen. And uh, I think that's what really sets really great turkey hunters apart from, from good turkey hunters is the ability to, uh, get on the ground and get dirty and crawl and use topography and make moves on turkeys uh, either when they're not gobbling or they're just not coming towards you and you've got you've to go in there and crawl and make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was probably the best, um, best information. I don't even remember where I got it from, uh, but my first year of hunting Easterns in Georgia, I was living in Georgia at the time, and uh, – first day I went out there, I just kind of decided on a whim, hey, what, on a whim, I just, I just really wanted to start hunting Easterns, and I hadn't done it, and so I went out, and the very first time I was hunting in a, a ground blind, same scenario, you know, you do what you see on TV, on a hunting club, Right. I was hunting a ground blind, and on a, on a field, and all morning long, man, I had turkeys gobbling, I mean, from daylight till noon, turkeys were gobbling. And I thought, I'm just going to sit sit still, sit here, 
Eventually, they're going to show up. They're going to be here. Well, every single one of them went around the around the field. They never came into that field. And um, I ended up sitting there just about all day long expecting them to come through, and they never, never did. And so that was kind of what got me curious, like, okay, is this a thing where I need to go to them, or is it a thing where I need to stay put? Um, I grew up hunting Rios in Texas, and hunting Rios in Texas, the way we hunted them, you just stayed put, and eventually, if you're in a good spot, eventually they're going to show up. Um, and so that was kind of a that was kind of an eye opening thing for me to start being aggressive, and eventually it paid off that season. Uh, after several missed opportunities, uh, it eventually paid off, and I and I killed a bird doing just that, not sitting over a field, but going after them, and. Uh, it just goes back to what you're talking about. You know, adaptability is everything when it comes to turkey hunting. And sometimes you just got to make those moves, you know. Um, so so we talked about wind, uh, talked about rain. Um, I want to talk about, I, I would assume, is is fog going to be kind of a similar situation to rain for you? Um, kind of. I, I've, I've gone a lot of mornings and fog will shut them up. But I've gone some mornings where they just really gobbled hard on fog. But the one thing that all the foggy mornings have in common is that they tend to stay in the tree longer on a foggy day. So, I mean, you may more than more times than not, you're not going to hear as much gobbling on a foggy day until that fog lifts. Um, so, I mean, patience kills a lot of turkeys. And like you said there a second ago, I mean that that tactic of sitting in a good spot is going to kill a lot of turkeys i mean if you're that patient and maybe you maybe you can't get around as good and you can't run ridges and you can't climb hills but you can go and sit in a really good spot you're going to kill turkeys still i mean that's a very very deadly tactic i mean patience is going to kill a lot of turkeys on a day that's foggy um, i'm going to go and i'm still going to get high where i can hear as much ground as possible um, but I'm going to probably sit there in that listening spot. I'm just going to park right there, um, until that fog lifts. Cause I'm not going to go around bumping birds off the limb. Um, and that allows me the best vantage point to hear one when he does start gobbling. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my tactic on a foggy day is get to the highest knob I can find and just park it because I'll just sit there and drink my drink and eat my snack or whatever and just lean back against the tree and soak the morning in and let the fog burn off. And then once that fog burns off, it's, it's Katie bar the door. Cause they're going to, a lot of times in my experience, anyway, once one's fired up at yeah. that point. So patience, patience, patience on a foggy day for me, um, find you a good listening spot and just sit down and listen. Yeah. And then one, when once, once one does start gobbling and the fog burns off and you can move a little bit, um, cause I mean, fog obviously hinders their, their sight ability, which makes them very nervous. So that's why they stay in the tree. I mean, I've seen them stay in the tree till 10 o'clock on a foggy morning and, you know, before the fog burns off. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they don't want to be on the ground where they can't see They're They're safe in that tree. They can see everything from that tree. They don't need to be on the ground. So, you know, once the fog burns off, then there's, you know, then they're safe. They feel safe. So then they'll come down and they'll act like a turkey again. Yeah. So you just got to not be rammy and get going and and bump a bunch of birds off the tree that aren't goblin. Best thing for you to do is just be patient as well 
get you to a good listening spot, put your ears on a bunch of ground, uh, you know, just take it easy and let, let birds do their thing. And when the fog lifts, then hum. That's, that's kind of the way I go about it. Man, that's, that's good. I've, I had a, a situation last year where it was a foggy, not super foggy, but foggy enough, apparently. Uh, foggy morning, I went out to a high spot like what you're talking about and uh, called and called and called. And I was on a public piece that was really close to a private piece. And I ended up calling another guy up right after daylight. Um, he was coming into my hen call thinking I was a real hen. And uh, I was like, well, crap, I'm going to get out of here. So got back in the <laughs> I got back in the boat and uh, probably about nine-ish, uh, maybe closer to ten, I went to another spot and went to a high. I called from the ground a little bit and didn't hear anything and uh, went up higher up on top of the ridge and sat down. And within about ten minutes, I had a hen, a hen yelping. And I was like, okay, well, that's cool. And I guess it was the way she was turned. And mind you, I mean, it's the, the fog is pretty much burned off. It's the middle of the morning. I mean, late morning, 10 o'clock. And I'm thinking this, this hen is walking towards me. Well, I can hear her voice, or I could hear her getting closer or louder anyways. And all of a sudden, I hear fly-down cackles right behind me, probably about 30 yards. And I kind of look back behind me and these birds are flying off of a tree and and this hen that's been talking to me this whole time uh was one of them and she ends up basically crawling into my lap realizing that i'm not a hen and runs off well a few minutes later i hear more uh clucking behind me and i can't really move and so i wait until i hear it get more in front of me and i turn and swing and there's a big tom with a several hens right there probably i mean in my head it was like 10 feet away but i'm sure it was a little bit further than that (laughs) and uh one of the hens caught me and they flew off but i thought it was so weird that i mean it was like 10 o'clock in the morning and they were still in a tree now i don't know what happened yeah i don't know what happened before i got there there could have been another hunter in there that spooked them and they flew up or a coyote or something just wasn't right and spooked them back up. But that was really freaking weird to me. Um, but, you know, that fog was a consistent right there. That was a den- common denominator of uh, of that morning from the things that you're talking about. And so, you know, it kind of seems like those mornings, everything is just a little bit, gets started a little bit later. And uh, kind of the woods wake up as soon as that fog burns off is really when the w- woods start to wake up. And uh, right. that's that's good stuff. I mean, you know, especially for a novice turkey hunter who hasn't done it a whole lot, um, going in with that little bit of information, that's, that's solid stuff. So, so that kind of covers a lot of that stuff other than snow. And, uh, we don't, we won't really talk about snow cause it's probably not going to snow in the South, uh, <laughs> from now until maybe next winter. So, uh, we won't yeah. really talk about snow, but, uh, I do want to talk about, um, co- cold weather. So here in Alabama, our opener is uh, usually this weekend. So actually, the youth season opened up this weekend, but normally uh, our our the main season, the general season in Alabama, starts sometime around the fifteenth. This year, it starts a little bit later. It'll start the twenty first, and uh, and that's still cold weather season. I mean, you still have some days in there where you'll get some cold fronts coming through. What are you gonna do knowing that there's a cold front? You're gonna go hunting. 
What's your game plan going into cold weather? Well, I'm I'm probably going to dress warm, warmer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, no, I'm still going to probably dress on layers, but because I'm going to sweat my butt off walking up a mountain. But uh, no, really, I'm I've killed birds here in the snow. Um, I've killed birds. It's not it's not out of the ordinary here for us to have 30 degree temperatures uh, at daylight here. Um, you know, see your breath kind of stuff. That's I mean, I really like those see your breath kind of mornings here. Yeah. Uh, early see, early season, see your breath kind of morning, uh, crisp, cool. Um, you know, I'm still watching that barometric pressure. That's the key. Um, you know, if a, if a front's coming in, more than likely, you know, right before that front, it's going to drop. That barometric pressure is going to drop a little bit. So maybe um, it just depends on how you hit it. Um, if it goes through the night and then in the morning it's it's rising back up, I mean, you're still going to hit it really good. Even if it snowed or even if it's really cold the next morning. I mean, like this morning, for instance, I went out and we're a month before season. Really didn't expect to hear a lot of goblin because we are a month before season, but they're starting to get there. But it was 30 degrees this morning here. It was cold and the barometric pressure was above 30 and I heard six birds goblin. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm key and still on that barometric pressure, even on cold days. Um, okay. and, and I'm not really going to change. I'm not really going to change any kind of, uh, tactic or anything like that. I'm going to go and run and gun it just like it was a 50 degree day. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to hunt it just the same, uh, just because it's cold. I, I mean, I really don't think that turkeys are affected by cold so much as they are fog or rain or lower pressure or you know cloudiness uh things like that uh i think that affects their gobbling and stuff more than anything but as far as cold they're still going to do they're still going to do their thing um the the pressure is the key with that and and tactic wise like i said i'm not changing anything on a cold day okay well that that i mean that pretty much covers cold weather i think you know obviously you have other variables if it's cold and rainy or if it's cold and foggy right. and, and those things are all you know they are they are what they are um you know and i think you can go back to some of those same things that you were saying about those specific weather conditions let's talk about heat for just a second and this is going to be the, like i guess really the last the last part of this i want to talk about heat um that is something that we deal with in the south and yeah. um do you find well first off i'm just going to ask you what's what's your game plan for a really hot day? Um, I mean, I'm still going to approach it because the morning is probably going to be, you know, still decent. It's not going to get too hot. So I'm still going to approach the morning the same. Um, but once those temperatures get up and those turkeys maybe wind down a little bit, I've seen here later in the season, we'll get some hotter days, uh, which typically like here, our humidity is a, a huge deal. Um, so yeah. our humidity will you know that thicker air um i've i've seen that that tur it shuts turkeys down as far as gobbling i mean you're still gonna have that one that likes to gobble likes to hear himself gobble so you can still yeah. find them gobbling um but you know typically i'll try to key on you know before it gets too warm i'll try to really hunt hard um before it gets too warm now when it does get warm i'm gonna go and try to find those shady spots um, you know, field edges that are shaded or, you know, sh uh, a shady saddle in the woods or, 
uh, bench in the woods or even down in a holler, you know, where a creek is or something. Um, f- those are the days that I'm going to key on scratching or, um, you know, just natural travel places, you know, dust bowls or, or places that I've seen turkeys in the past. And those are the days that patience is really going to kill a turkey because you're going to go and you're going to camp on a spot um, and you're going to call because for for us here anyways, we don't get those really hot, humid days where it just shuts gobbling down until late in the season. Yeah. So we don't, we don't really deal with a whole lot of real hot uh, muggy type days until the last week probably of the season. Mm -hmm. I know that you all down in the South have more of those type of days than we do, but that's kind of the way that I approach those days when the heat does kind of shut them down a little bit. Um, I'll probably tend to camp on areas that I know turkeys frequent or I've seen turkeys in in the past and, uh, you know, try to find some shade myself so I'm not sitting there sweating too bad. Yeah. Um, You know, turkeys are black. You know, they're covered in feathers. They're black and they get hot and they don't like heat any more than we do. Yeah. So they want to find those cooler, shady spots too. Down in the holler, it's going to be cooler. Uh, than up on the ridge they're not going to get as much sun they're going to want to find those shadier cooler spots that's where they're going to go so that's where i'm going to go too yeah man that that makes total sense to me um and like i said you know to start out this podcast this is this is for guys who find themselves in these situations and you think to yourself what do i do here what would so and so what would this guy do here what I'm trying to do with this with this podcast episode, with these turkey podcasts, is let you hear these scenarios from guys like yourself, Zach, who uh, have hunted lots of different places, have had success in lots of different scenarios, and just kind of let you know what they would do in these situations. And so, um, you know, really having this focus around weather, I think we covered most of the main things uh, that, that I really want to cover today, and we're running short on time, but Zach... Before we end, um, I want to do a quick just like speed round where I ask you just questions. They can be yes or no, just very straight to the point answers about some of the gear that you use, some of your favorite ways to hunt and things like that. Can we do that? Yes. Awesome. All right. So to start Mm -hmm. us out in the speed round, I think this is what I've done with all of our guests so far. What I've started out with is what kind of gun are you using? Um, I've got a lot of guns, but typically a Mossberg 835, 12 gauge, 12 gauge. Is there any specific reason why you choose a 12 gauge? That was the first gun I, I bought. It's the only gun I've ever killed a turkey with. Wow. Well, there, there you go. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> All I right. I have a 20 gauge now that I bought for my daughter and a 410 now, but I'm, I've been a 12 gauge and that's my, that's my go-to. So. All right. So. Mossy Oak Bottomland, yes or no? Yes. For everything? Pretty just... much, yeah. That's my that's my go-to. That's my favorite. Uh, I like Greenleaf too, but Bottomland is my favorite. Heck yeah, that's awesome, man. It's funny. Turkey hunters are uh, are funny about Bottomland uh, for whatever reason. I don't know what it is, but it's just uh, yeah. It's uh, I, I like it too. I'm a fan. I actually just bought a uh, a new turkey vest this year and i was going back and forth between green leaf or bottom land they're pretty similar in a lot of ways but i ended up going with the green leaf yeah. and i'm pretty excited about it so all right um what kind of loads are you using 
Uh, I shoot uh, Winchester Longbeard XR number fives uh, out of my 12 gauge, and then uh, 20 gauge and 410, I shoot TSS. What kind of Apex. TSS? Apex TSS? Yep. Awesome. What's the furthest you have ever shot a turkey? Uh, Probably 40 yards, 45 yards. 45 yards. Is that the furthest you will shoot at a turkey? Uh, I'd probably push it out to 50 or 55, especially with TSS. I wouldn't be afraid to shoot one at 55, but in the woods, I don't get very many 55-yard opportunities. Right. So. Yeah, uh, I hear you. So, um, do you pattern your gun every year? Yes. Awesome. All right. So, what is your favorite <clears throat> turkey call to use? Uh, probably a mouth call. I'm a call fanatic. My wife would tell you that I am a call fanatic. <laughs> I, I'm in my garage every day for at least half an hour running calls. I've got over 80 pot calls and box calls. I love them. Um, I love er- I love everything about every call. Tube calls, no matter what. Wing bones. Um, but mouth call, if I have one choice to go to in the woods, it's a mouth call. That's what 90% of my turkeys are killed with a mouth call. And what's your favorite mouth call? Um, I have a, a bat wing um, that Derek Stallman built me. That That's what I run most of the time. So it's custom built. It's not something that you buy at the store or whatever. Um, everything I run custom pretty much um, from custom builders. But, yeah, Derek Stallman from Missouri, uh, he built the mouth call for me. You know, he built me like eight or ten of them. I have them in my refrigerator, but that's the mouth call that I've used for the last three seasons. Okay. So, and you said that's a bat wing that you like? Yeah, I, I run a bat wing primarily. I'll run a combo cut some. Uh, it's just that's just what runs with me. I, I can run all different kinds of cuts, V's and ghost cuts and stuff like that. But bat wing has been my favorite and the most versatile for me. So that's what I run. Okay. All right. That that's uh, you know, I think a lot of guys that I talk to on the on the podcast, all it always ends up, you know, everything else is great, but they really like their diaphragms and uh and yeah, it's easy. I mean, they're cheap. You can get. Uh, a lot of them make different sounds, different cuts, um, for not a very, not a very, uh, expensive price tag. So totally makes sense to me. Um, all right. Woods birds or field birds? Woods all day. Why? That's just, that's just my preference. I like hunting them in the woods, but I grew up hunting. Like I said, I don't have a lot of fields here to hunt. Um, I have killed some field turkeys. Um, I don't really like messing with turkeys in fields cause they can just see forever and they're just, they're just stubborn, finicky birds. But I like wood. I like photography. Um, I love hearing there's nothing to, to me, there is nothing like hearing a turkey gobble down in a big bottom or a big holler and you're up on the ridge above him. There's nothing like it. Just hearing him echo through the woods like through the timber and then seeing him come through the timber and weaving through there looking for you there's nothing like it so in my opinion woods all day every day i agree all right so um this one's going to be maybe a little bit longer question um but what is your favorite locator call um probably natural voice owl hoot natural voice owl hoot is there any situation Go ahead. 
I like, I mean, I've, I like crow calls and hawks and peacocks and everything, but for me, uh, and I have a Harrison hoop stick that I carry as well. And I was just talking to my buddy about this today, actually. Um, I carry that hoop stick because there will be times where I'll natural voice hoot, which is what I always do first. Um, and a turkey won't gobble, but I'll hit that hooting stick, and just something about that frequency and that sound will make one fire off. So yeah. I always carry multiple calls or multiple different calls just because of that reason. You may have some turkey that doesn't like a slate call, but you hit an aluminum, and it, and it resonates with him, and he hits it. Yeah. So it's just it's, it's the same thing. I mean, but natural voice owl hoot is my go-to. I'll use it even up into the morning sometimes. Um, that's just been my, kind of my thing. So, all right. Can I put you on the spot? Sure. All right. Give us that natural voice owl hoot. <laughs> there it is from the man himself. There it was. <laughs> yeah, there it was. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. And do you typically use that? Uh, every morning, or are you a kind of guy that likes to let the woods wake up on their own? I uh, I always go in and let it wake up on its own. Um, if I have to use it, I'll use it. If if I have a turkey that gobbles 500 yards away, and I think there's probably one closer than that, I'll wait, and then I'll owl hoot, and typically, you know, one will sound off closer. Not always, but typically. Um, but if I let the woods wake up and one is close, then I don't even use it. So, yeah, it just depends. But always try to let the woods wake up first and then go to it if I have to. Okay, that makes sense. All right, this one's important. Fried turkey nuggets or grilled turkey breast? Oh, <laughs> uh, probably fried. Oh, yeah. I, I, I would figure a man with a beard like yours is all about the fried food, but I, it's worth asking anyways. Um, yeah, yeah, I like I like grilled fish better than fried fish, but uh, turkey nuggets, yeah, I like them fried better. I think. Oh yeah, um, I am a fan of fried turkey nuggets. Those are perhaps the reason why uh, I will kill a Jake if it presents a shot. So <laughs> yeah, that is the last question of the speed round, Zach. Everything's riding on this one, man. Will you shoot a Jake? No, I've never shot a Jake and probably never will. Man, so I haven't got anybody. I, uh, I haven't got anybody that said that they would shoot a Jake. Yeah, no, I, I won't. I won't shoot a Jake. Just no, I, I don't. And that's just me. I, I'm not saying it's bad to shoot a Jake. I mean, yeah. by all means, if you if you want to go shoot a Jake, shoot a Jake. If it makes you happy. And I've had this conversation with people about deer too. I think people on social media have too much power anymore. And they, they shame people for their kills and whatever. Man, everybody is not like you or me or whatever. Like, everybody has their own – they're at their own place in their hunting career. And, you know, they pay for their license. You don't. So who am I to tell somebody, don't shoot that buck because it doesn't score 130 inches or don't shoot that turkey because it's a jake? Like, that's not my – that's right. not my place. Like, yeah. shoot what makes you happy. You pay for your license. If it makes you happy, man, shoot the thing. I don't care. You know, yeah. that. it's just my personal place that I'm at in my hunting life. Like, I'm at a place where I don't want to shoot a small buck or I don't want to shoot a Jake. That's just where I'm at. Yeah. And that's just me. 
and I'm yeah. not pushing that on anybody. You know what I mean? That's sure. just how I feel about it. Sure. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, man, that's that's it. I uh, I enjoyed this conversation, man. But we're we're rolling up. I have found this. This is pretty interesting. Turkey episodes last longer than uh, than deer episodes for some reason. I don't know. Maybe turkey hunters just like to talk about turkey hunting more than deer hunters like to talk about deer hunting. I don't know. Well, I told you before we got on here that, one, I'm, I'm long-winded. That's what my wife tells me anyway. <laughs> and, two, I could talk about turkeys all day and all night. And I drive my family crazy about it. But it is what it is. And when I get with somebody that likes turkey hunting like I do, I just go. And yeah. it just, you know, it's it's easy for turkey hunters to talk about turkey hunting because we're passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and another thing that's totally different, like deer are pretty cut and dry. Like play the wind, certain places you hunt, you, you know, you all certain places they bed, blah, blah, blah. Turkeys are not. I mean, yeah, turkeys have certain tendencies that they do, but man, every turkey is different. Every single turkey is different. And you can there's not a book that says, okay, here's how you kill a turkey every time. It's because it doesn't work. It's not like that. So there's so many other avenues and tactics, and everybody hunts them differently, and that's why turkey podcasts are so great because you just get you get so many different perspectives from people and different things. And you can listen to a podcast, and you might know every single thing that was said, but you might be able to pluck one little thing, one little nugget out of there that's going to help you. That's typically what I do is I'll listen to a podcast and just try to find one little nugget maybe maybe i hadn't heard that before or something you know yeah that's what you try to do man that's good stuff well zach i do appreciate you coming on the show man and talking turkeys with me we'll have to do it again sometime soon and i wish you the best of luck this season where all where all are you gonna be uh hunting at this year um i'm taking my daughter to kentucky to kick things off on the youth hunt that's the april 4th and 5th then i'm going to alabama uh the 8th through the 11th i'm going to try to if i kill kill early there which i you know i never know if i'm going to or not but if i if i get lucky and i kill early i'm going to try to swing georgia and possibly north carolina on the way home Uh, and then i'll be west virginia when they open um and ohio and then i'm going to do pennsylvania to end the season uh sometime in may to try to check that one off so i am chasing a u.s slam i would love to kill a bird in every state i'm only 31 years old so hopefully god willing i have a lot of years ahead of me to hunt them and i'm able to travel and and check some states off so i'd like to get a couple new states this year so that's my goal heck yeah dude that's awesome i hope you do that and when you do we will definitely have to get you to come back on the southern ground hunting podcast and talk about it um and probably before that so, um, man, again, yeah. again, thanks so much for coming on the show. Do appreciate it. Guys listening, um, Kingdom Connection, check it out on YouTube. You get to see some of these hunts. Uh, you get to see some of the hunts from this coming season. I know it's not going to disappoint. It's going to be a, a good season. And, uh, Zach, good luck, man. And, again, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, thanks, Zach, so much for coming on the show. I uh, I got a lot out of that conversation, man. I I, uh, I really learned a ton talking about weather scenarios and um, just different things that you can do to increase your odds of killing a turkey in any given situation. So, uh, guys, listening to this, I, I hope you got the same thing. And uh, 
man, we're definitely going to have to get Zach back on the line at some point very soon. So like I said in the intro, it is uh, turkey season's kicking off this weekend here in Alabama, and I'm going to be in the turkey woods tomorrow. I'm going to be uh, trying to kill one. I know a lot of you guys are going to be doing the same thing, so good luck. Make sure you check us out on Facebook and on Instagram. That's at Southern Ground Hunting, all lowercase, all one word on Instagram, and it's at Southern Ground Hunting on Facebook. And uh, check out the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. I have been updating it pretty regularly here in the last couple of weeks. Got a couple of turkey hunting videos on there as we speak from last year that I did not get to post in time last year. So uh, if you want to see me get my butt beat by some uh, public and private land gobblers, actually, um, then uh, go to go to the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. Give us a subscribe and a thumbs up on those videos and be on the lookout for uh, new videos coming weekly during turkey season on the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. I'm going to be busting my butt. Uh, granted that I'm not quarantined into my home by, uh, by the government, I will be trying to kill turkeys. So, um, good luck to you guys who are going to be in the woods this weekend. If you are going to be in the woods, remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.